especially when a trader or salesperson is coming to you right on the spot and they need an answer right then and there. You need to be able to respond to them and you need to stick by that, that answer, no matter what it is, if it's right or if it turns out being wrong, you need to know why you chose that answer and be able to have the confidence to say, this is why, this is why I made that decision. Welcome to No But Really, What Do You Do? The podcast where I ask people to explain to me what they actually do at their jobs all day. I'm your host, Blake Hinnay, and today I'm joined by Rebecca Galley, Vice President of Fixed Income Compliance in Financial Services. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me, Blake. I look forward to sharing with everyone what exactly I do. I think my mom still is unsure of what my actual job entails. Well, excellent. So this will shed some light for her uh, and anybody else uh, joining us today. So, so let's start with the basics. Then you're out. You meet somebody new. What do you say when they ask what you do? Um, so I think you know the first thing I tell people is I sit on a trading floor of a financial company, and what I do is I basically make sure that traders and salespeople who are um, working with specific fixed income products follow the rules and regulations. Nice. So you're sort of a little good cop, bad cop in one when, when necessary. It's funny you should say that, Blake. That is actually one of the biggest stereotypes I like to get away from as being a compliance officer. I actually view myself more as a partner to the sales and traders than an actual cop and policing them. Oh, that's great. Well, that's so good to know that that's, that's how you view. Because um, uh, I love to know sort of the things that are, that are myths about, about your job. Um, so to be a good partner, like you say, like, what is it that you, how are you interacting with them on a day-to-day basis? Like, when does it come up that you even need to be working with somebody on, on some kind of question or issue? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's twofold. So I think there are the real-time questions. So the reason why we sit on the trading floor is that, you know, trading is so fast paced and such a quick environment that a transaction needs to happen immediately. And if it doesn't, the market can move kind of in one direction or another on the price of a security can either increase a lot or decrease a lot. So if they're unsure about a trade that they are doing, they're unsure if the client can handle that trade, they're unsure if the trade itself can be done, they'll come immediately to me and say, hey, Becky, can we do this? So it's definitely a real-time job, which I love. I think the second aspect of it is more of a long-time basis. What happens is, is new rules and regulations are coming out all the time, or there are updates to existing ones. And what I do is I work with a variety of groups, not just the sales and traders, to implement these new or existing updates to the rules to help them make sure that they're complying with these things. Interesting. So you, so in getting that information, I take it then that you're probably partnering pretty regularly with organizations outside of your own company who are feeding that to you. Yeah, absolutely. We partner with a lot of industry working groups um, to make sure that the industry is, when a new rule comes down the pipe, that the rest of the industry looks at it and is reading it the same way so that we're all in alignment. We're seeing uh, with the rest of the industry, what vendors, if there's a vendor we need to use to implement that rule, what vendors they're using. Is there a specific vendor that's better in this type of industry? Or if we don't like something about the rule of regulation before it becomes final. We work with different groups to see if there's anything we can do as an industry participant 
to make sure those kind of things get clarified or updated before the rule becomes finalized. So when you're when you might be then trying to you know prevent something or not prevent, but as you say, it's not working for you yet. What is the kind of end goal in mind? Is it because you don't think it's good for the company? You don't think it's good for the client? A mixture of both? Yeah, so it's definitely a mixture of both. It could be that it's not good for the the client. It could be it's not good for the economy. Or it could also be that it just doesn't make sense for that specific product. Different products trade very differently. Mm -hmm. There's several different types of products. And so putting one rule around all products sometimes doesn't make sense. So there are nuances that need to be carved out that the uh, securities exchange commission or other regulators don't necessarily always understand those nuances. So sometimes we have to help them carve that in. Oh, interesting. So you're playing both the, you're sort of the, the regulation um, subject matter expert then for your partner, you know, your traders and bankers that you work with internally, and then you're the, their product expert for your partners at the various regulation authorities. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, the reason why you do this with uh, an industry working group is because you want to make sure that you're not looking at it from a silo of your your particular bank or that your bank's not doing something wrong. You want to make sure the whole industry agrees that this doesn't make sense and that everyone feels like it needs to be changed or something specific needs to be carved out of it. So tell me then a little bit about how, like, what is your path to where you are now? Do you have a lot of experience elsewhere in the industry or kind of in, in financial services that, that led you to doing this? So funny enough, you know, I started my career actually at one of the industry-wide working groups. It was called SIFMA. And what we did was we worked with all of the different banks. They were members of um, this market association. And we held kind of these different working groups when a new rule or regulation was coming down the pipe or an existing one was being amended. We held kind of these working groups to say, okay, what, is, what does everyone think about this rule? And so that's how I kind of got involved there. And from there, you know, a, a, one of the chief compliance officers that I worked heavily with kind of said to me, what is your own goal, Beth? What do you want to do? And she said, why don't you come over, learn kind of being what in-house at a financial institution is and kind of on the other side of it. And so that's how I started my career. And, you know, from there, I did what was called surveillance for fixed income which basically is, it's, it's a really good job to start your foundation. I learned how all the products, all fixed income products, what they were, how they traded. And basically it's taking rules and then you get a data set every day compared against the rule to make sure that there are no outliers and everyone is sticking to what the rules are. And you know that was really a good foundation for me to understand the rules, see how things traded, and then from there, I was kind of asked to be more of an advisor and partner to the desk. So as then you've been in this for a while, and you mentioned before that there's, you know, some myths kind of, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, the good cop, bad cop world of compliance and trying to get away from that. So what are the other things then that, that you are, that are either myths and, you know, sort of things that people think about your job that you found aren't true, or that you've just been surprised to learn that, that others probably don't know about being in compliance? Yeah. So I think, listen, I think you have to have a really strong personality to be an advisory. Um, you will, sitting on the trading floor, you get to be really close with a lot of the people that you're working with. And sometimes you have to say no to them. You have to say what you're doing or what you're trying to do. There's just no way around it. And while we always try to look for a solution to figure it out, sometimes the answer is just no. There's nothing you can do that's going to get around this rule. So I've learned that 
you know, I have to put my foot down sometimes. And I think the other big thing is, um, you know, every time a new rule or regulation comes down the pipe, I also have to give a lot of training to the desk. So I've learned that I have to be very good at kind of standing in front of large groups of people, um, kind of presenting. I, you know, I have trading floor desks that are kind of up to 200 people that I'm standing in a room in front of 200 people presenting what this new rule or regulation looks like. And sometimes people are angry and I'm not the one that wrote the rule, but they kind of take it out on me and say, that rule doesn't make sense. And I'm the one just trying to help them to make sure they're, they're actually abiding by the rule. I'm not the one that created the rule. So I think those are kind of the big things. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, it, I'm, I'm not surprised then when, when you say that you're trying to be a partner. I mean, because you, you are in a tough position, it sounds like a lot of times. Um, so you want to make sure people, you get them on your side because that probably makes it easier to work with them later, particularly in those tough moments where you have to say no to something. You know, absolutely. You know, from my perspective, every time I've, I've been at a couple different firms and every time I started a new place, people look at you like, uh, oh, this is the new compliance girl. And I think you have to build up that relationship with them um, in order for them to see you as that partner, in order for them to come to you. Because when you first start and they just see you as, you know, the cop that's going to enforce things, they don't come to you with questions. And then they end up doing things wrong because they're not asking for that. So you have to really build strong relationships. Wow. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about what you know of sort of the, the evolution of compliance. I have to imagine it has been probably a, a component of, of the financial services industry, if not since its inception, certainly for a very long time. But do you, in your years in it, um, and what you know about it before, has it evolved over time, what its role is? So I would say, listen, since I've been, I graduated in 2009 and really became a compliance officer in 2011. And so from my perspective, in the nine years that I've done compliance at a financial institution, it really, it hasn't changed too terribly much. But what I can say is before 2008, before the big crisis, compliance was completely different. They, you had compliance officers. First off, the compliance departments were probably half of what they are today. There were a lot less people in compliance because there weren't as many rules or regulations. And then after the 2008 crisis, the government said, hold on, we need to write a lot more rules because we can't have something like this happen again when all these banks kind of went under. And so I think from my perspective, that's what's changed. I think the only thing that I can say since I've been in the industry that's changed is that I think people were very reluctant, even though the big firms were hiring more and more people, people were reluctant to see compliance as a necessary function, right? The front office, say, uh, we make the money. Why are we paying for so many compliance officers? Mm-hmm. I think that now, you know, over time, the tone from the top has really changed that compliance is a necessary function and not only necessary, but they're helpful to help big banks not get fined, to help people not get in trouble. So I think that's kind of the evolution. That's great. Yeah. I mean, all, all keeps coming back to what you're saying about them, them really being a partner and in large part serving both the client and your co, you know, your colleagues at the bank. It's really, you're kind of there to look out for, for the people that the banks are serving, which, you know, uh, Seem, seems from the outside perspective then like a, uh, you know, a pretty good uh, role to be playing. Um, so tell me a little bit about the skills that you kind of then, you know, the, what you utilize to, to perform your functions on a day-to-day basis. You've already hit on a couple, 
that I, I admit I'm a little surprised to hear in compliance, like, you know, the public speaking aspect and such. Um, but so what are, have you found are the, the more, um, less technical kind of more cross, uh, you know, soft skills, kind of cross industry skills to use? Yeah. So I think, I think one of the big ones, um, going on that public speaking is, is that I had to learn and become really good at PowerPoint because I create lots of presentations. Um, and again, they are presented in front of large groups of people. And not only that, when regulators come to look at, to make sure we are following the rules and regulations, we create PowerPoints for them as well. I think another big thing is there is a lot of kind of interpreting in my job. So reading and then kind of interpretation, because as, as if you've ever read anything from the government, nothing is black and white. There is a lot of room for interpretation. So I would say those two are kind of the biggest, uh, the biggest skills that I, you know, you have to have in this job. Wow, that's great. And on the more technical side, then, do you find that there's things um, that are really kind of specific to to working in? I mean, and not just compliance, but specifically in in fixed income. Yeah, I think you really need to understand what the products in fixed income are. There are several different types of fixed income products, and they all trade very differently. They, they trade in the economy differently. They're meant for different types of clients. So you need to learn what each of those are because the rules, while the rule could state the same thing, it's a very different application for the type of product you're trading, for the type of client you're trading with. So I think that's something you really need to, to learn before getting into an advisory type role. Um, and is there anything that is that is very unexpected that you have learned on the job? Any kind of new skills that you've picked up uh, doing what you're doing? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing I've picked up along the way is to have confidence. As I mentioned, the rules aren't black and white. So sometimes you're going to have your own interpretation. And especially when a trader or a salesperson is coming to you right on the spot and they need an answer right then and there, you need to be able to respond to them and you need to stick by that that answer no matter what it is if it's right or if it turns out being wrong you need to know why you chose that answer and be able to have the confidence to say this is why this is why I made that decision so I think that is probably the biggest thing that I've walked away with I love that I think that's such a an incredible skill and something we all probably need a little bit more of so I think that's fantastic um what advice then would you give if there was somebody uh, trying to break into compliance, um, what might you suggest to them coming into this field? I think to start just from a compliance perspective in general, I think it's to learn the business, to understand finance. That is so important. There are actually, I can tell you, there are several compliance folks that don't actually understand the business. They are lawyers and they're coming from it from a legal standpoint. And while that's great in terms of the reading and writing aspect of the rule, they don't understand the application. And so you really need to understand how the products trade, what the products are to be able to understand the application of the rule. So I think that's my, that's what I'd say in terms of coming into compliance in general. In an advisory type role, I would say that you have to have, you have to stick by your, your first gut instinct with things. You have to be quick on your feet and always thinking outside the box. It's not black and white. You have to be able to think kind of outside the square that you're pegged in and know that, you know, if you're not responsive, they're not going to come back to you. So you have to be responsive. And even if you don't know the answer right then and there, better come back to them within, you know, a five minute time period 
they want to get that transaction done right away before that market starts moving. Wow. It's no, I mean, it's no wonder you need that confidence. It's like such a fast moving, you know, make a quick decision. And as you say, really stand by it. Um, so what is some of then the, the best jargon that you hear thrown around that, you know, <laughs> you think sometimes those, those, uh, you know, terms sometimes afterwards that you go, did I really just say that sentence out loud? <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest one, which kind of changes a little bit from, from shop to shop is called it's so sometimes it's with one C and one sometimes it's with two Cs. So FIC is either fixed income and commodities or it's fixed income currency and commodities. So mm-hmm. it's the different department, right? So there's there's equities, there's fixed income. And so they, they name these departments very differently. Um, that's a big one. I think the other is if you are in fixed income, you will know this one. It is called trace. It is trade reporting and this is why the industry has become so transparent because you have to trade report and show the rest of the industry all of your prices for every transaction you do in a fixed income trade it's not the same for equities but if you are in the fixed income world trace will stick to you the rules around that are very very black and white and firms get fined for it all the time Well, I would certainly hope that it sounds like everybody that you work with hopefully knows it. But yeah, I don't I don't know that I could have picked those up outside of uh, uh, working in that world. Um, so that's great. So you've talked then about some of the other groups that you work with, um, as you just mentioned, you know, attorneys, uh, bankers, traders, um, you know, you mentioned you're receiving data from from folks. So when you kind of think about how con- compliance fits into the bigger picture of the company, you know, how do you feel about that kind of your role in the and it's sort of piece of the puzzle of of what it's doing um to benefit the company more broadly yeah so i think compliance um nowadays has a huge impact on each company and it, it, and i think that the most important thing i think to think about from a compliance perspective is we really sit in between the firm and the regulators. And the regulators come down with the rules. We don't create them. But what we do is we help and we partner to try to make sure the firm continues to stick to the parameters of those rules. And we keep firms from getting in trouble and keep their them from getting fined or from getting, even if they do get fined, from getting large fines. And nowadays, it's not just firms that get fined. It's also individual employees that are getting fined. They're getting fined. Um, whether it's supervisors that aren't supervising the folks on their desk and the people on their desk are doing something wrong or it's the actual sales or traders that are doing something wrong. So we keep kind of everyone from staying out of trouble. That's great. That's great. Um, so who then are the roles um, that that you most depend on? Because it sounds to me like pretty much then a lot of groups are really depending on you for that advice and that guidance to make sure they follow the rules and are, um, you know, doing what they need to do, but within the appropriate parameters, who though do you find that you actually kind of couldn't do your functions without? Yeah. So I think when it comes to like the long-term project, um, I heavily rely on technology every time I think as everyone knows, every time a new rule or reg kind of rolls out, you need to put things in place within each of the systems or you need to build a whole new system. And so I'm constantly working with technology and they are vital in the process here to create that technology that that kind of stop within a program. They create kind of the exception reports so our compliance teams can review them to make sure that that the 
traders and salespeople are following the rules and regs. I think the other people that we rely heavily on are what, who are called the business managers of each of the trading desks. The business managers are really the strategic folks on the desk. Um, they help us to implement these new rules and regs and look at it from a more strategic standpoint while we look at it more from a, a rule-based standpoint. And, and what do you feel you do then to kind of stay engaged um, kind of at a, you know, a slightly more personal level then, you know, not, not just then, you know, having to, you know, exchange emails, do, you, do your uh, various tasks day to day, but kind of, you know, feel like you're, you know, you guys are all a big part of the same team. That's the really fun part about being an advisory versus kind of the rest of compliance. In advisory, I'm sitting on the trading desk, the particular trading desk that I cover. And so I sit, I don't sit with anyone else in compliance. I sit by myself with these sales and traders and I get to be around them all day. I listen to them as they're kind of shouting at each other for, you know, different prices. The TVs are going with kind of what's going on in the market. I love that. And so from my perspective, the trading floor, there are no offices. People just sit row to row next to each other. And I don't really send a ton of emails. I go straight to the people's desk whether it's chatting with them about their life, their kids, what's going on, or it's chatting with them about their clients or what they're seeing in the marketplace, just kind of for my own knowledge. It sounds definitely like some of those, you know, the the visuals you'll see in like, you know, in the media or, or uh, movies or something. So you're really right in the heart of the action. Yeah, it's great. It's so much fun. I love it. That's awesome. And do you, do you do anything to kind of stay in touch, like then with more of the compliance side of the industry? Like, you know, regardless of whatever firm you happen to be with at the time? Yeah. So I think sometimes I actually think that's even harder. Sometimes I don't have, I haven't built the relationships as much with the rest of compliance because they're on their own floor, kind of in more cubicle style than I have with the trading desk that I cover. But we do always have kind of, you know, weekly calls and weekly meetings with different compliance areas and different companies that I've worked at. Also host been really good about hosting kind of a lunch and learns for each group to really understand what the other group is doing. So I think that helps us stay in touch. And I think the other thing to realize is that the different groups, a lot of those different compliance groups, they do work with a lot. Um, it's just a different type of working with because that is more phone call or email based versus the interaction on the desk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you face in, in your role, you think? A couple of the biggest challenges are probably when the desk, someone at the desk comes over to you, asks for your advice, and then they either don't like it, so they just don't follow it, or they don't agree with it, so they don't follow it. And more often than not, if that happens, they end up getting dinged later on for it. And so, <laughs> you know, they think sometimes they know better than compliance does, or again, they just feel like, Hey, I'm going to make more money than I am going to, I'm not going to get in as much trouble as I am. I'm going to make more money on this. So I'm going to do it anyway. And that's just not, that's not the best way to look at it. And I think the other big thing is, is that, you know, sometimes they get dinged for things and then they come to me kind of complaining about it. And I say, you know, if you would just follow the rules, you know what the rules are, or if you had come to me, right. So sometimes they're so in the throw of it that they, they just make the decision themselves instead of coming to me because they're just so engrossed in it then and there. And so I think that's the other hard part is like, no, you can always come to me anytime, step away from your desk for two seconds. I'm always there at my desk waiting to kind of respond to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's got to be tough. But 
particularly then when, <laughs> when afterwards, you're probably not allowed to look at them and go, well, I told you so. <laughs> uh, trust me, I do. I build those relationships. And I tell them, I, I don't know what you want me to say. And they say, can you help me get out of trouble? <laughs> Becky, come on. And I say, nope, there's nothing I can do now. It's too late. Well, so then what does a good day look like? I, I can imagine maybe some of the opposite moments of that, but like, what, what are the parts that you love that, that at the end of the day, you think that was a really great day? Based on the day-to-day stuff and then the long-term stuff, I think some of the things I love on the day-to-day stuff are, I love when someone comes to you with what you think at first or what they even think at first is an impossible trade. that They can't possibly do it. Um, and you kind of figure out, you look at the rule again and you figure out kind of how to stay within the boundaries, but in a creative way, allow them to be able to do that transaction. So I love thinking out of the box, kind of using my brain and really and really working with them on those types of things. I think for more of the long-term things, um, it's, it's such a satisfying feeling when the regulator finally publishes the, the new rule or regulation. It's in effect and you can say, great, we have it in effect here too, right? We've done, we've completed the training for everyone on the desk. They understand we've worked with technology. Everything's been implemented and put in place. We can say, great. Now everyone is complying with the rule. It's just such a satisfying feeling because that implementation period can take up to a year for a brand new rule to happen. So it's just, it's so satisfying getting all of your ducks in a row to say, great you know, the SEC or whatever regulatory body come in and look at us now. We've done it. We're done. We're complying. That's awesome. Yeah. I can definitely imagine that being a very satisfying moment. <laughs> yes. Um, well, well, thank you. This has been incredibly fascinating. I feel like I definitely understand kind of the, the compliance perspective on things so much better, which is great. And I really, I love hearing you, your, your viewpoint of, you, you know, you're there to help you know, the people who are trying to help their clients and help, you know, people with their finances and such. And, and you're really a partner across the board on, on so many components of that. This has been really enlightening. Thank you very much. To end though, I would love to know if you weren't doing this, uh, you know, what other industry, what kind of job would you be interested in, in maybe dipping your toe into? Yeah. So I'm actually, I think what really has always interested me is, um, consulting, especially from an efficiency standpoint. So going into different companies and looking at how to make them more efficient. And I'd love to hear kind of someone's account of that. I think your day is always changing different firms all the time. So I'd love to learn more about the consulting world. Fantastic. Well, hopefully we can help you out with that soon and, uh, and learn more about that. Uh, Becky, thank you so much again. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And uh, I have Thank you so much, Blake. Great. And I hope that I've shed some light to other people about this. Well, if not, we certainly know that you're open to more questions anytime. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye.